Hi, I'm Rob and you're listening to the Teacher Planning Podcast. I'm here to simply help guide you towards quality, variety and consistent development as a teacher. You may have been teaching for 20 years or you may have been teaching for 20 days, but in my opinion, you never stop learning. The day you stop learning is the day the education system is failing. One thing you need to remember when listening to this is that you need to be open-minded. What works for someone else might not work for you and what works for you might not work for someone else. We're all here to share ideas. So enough of me talking, here's the pod. On today's episode of the Teacher Planning Podcast, I am with PE teacher Sophie and Sophie is based in a secondary school, well, secondary state school in Worcestershire. And Sophie's actually in, you're in your NQT year, aren't you, Sophie? In fact, forget that. First of all, welcome to the podcast, Sophie. Thanks for coming on. How's it going? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Good, good. Um, so, yeah, I've just given a very brief introduction to you, to, well, to yourself. Okay. And you're in your NQT year, so reasonably fresh into the profession. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you haven't thought about jumping out yet? Not yet, no. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So what your training year experience was like? And I mean, we're recording this coming towards the end of lockdown well I say lockdown lockdown number three coming towards yeah. the end of lockdown three um and it'd be very interesting to hear a, a brief description of your experience this year so I went did my undergrad at University of Worcester um and I did that in PE and um sports studies and then I was lucky enough to gain a place on the PGCE course actually at the University of Worcester as well um, which was brilliant, um, gave me lots of knowledge, gave me lots of courses to go on. Um, and then right in the middle of my training year, that's when obviously we had the coronavirus outbreak. So we were pulled out of school, had lots of different online experiences. So to kind of finish off our NQ, uh, PGCE year, uh, but two, I was in two different schools, a very academic school and um, a very vocational school. So very two very different experiences. Both were very critical, though, to being able to develop, because I think me being in the school that I am now, having that vocational experience has really helped with that, because obviously we're not as an academic school. So I think that's really important. And yeah, again, my job in February last year, I was really lucky. It was the first interview I'd ever had in teaching and I managed to secure the job. So um, it's quite an emotional time. Oh, you're really natural. Yeah, and I started in the July. So I finished my uh, PGCE in the June, started on the 1st of July, and I've loved it ever since. Oh, brilliant. So you got a holiday pay as well. Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) I know people don't say that teaching is about the money, but it definitely helps if you get that sick week pay, doesn't it? Of course. (laughs) Um, Anyway, right, let's talk about today's lesson then. So what would you like to describe to us today? So this lesson is part of a nine-week cycle for our year nines. Um, it's a optional pathway that we've put together in our department for the, um, well, not just in our department, actually, it's across the whole school, where they get to try all the subjects that they'd like to take through to key stage four, so year 10 and 11. And BTEC Sport is one of those, and I'm lucky enough to be able to take that through. Um, so they'll have nine-week cycle with myself, go to another subject for nine weeks, then come back to myself for another nine weeks and go to the other subject again. That obviously allows them to think, yes, this is for me. I've really enjoyed it. Or actually, no, you don't get as much playing around on the Astro as what I thought. So I don't want to do this. 
Um, but yeah, it really works for our school. So. So when you say it's a nine week cycle, did you say that students do this from subject to subject? So they could be doing this potentially throughout the whole year, could they? Or... Yes, they could. Yeah. So it's uh, the year split up to four nine week cycles. Um, so obviously they choose the two subjects in year nine that they want to do for those two for those two and they swap each time. So realistically, I teach the same children for 18 weeks at a time, really, um, and then have a different group of children next time okay so i mean there, there will be there could potentially be people with certain opinions on this whether or not it's a good idea whether it's not a good idea yeah. what's your opinion on it does it work does it not work i think it works for our school and i think that's the important thing obviously people know their schools best so it may not work in some but for us it really does because especially in pe like I said before, a lot of them choose it thinking, brilliant, we get more practical, whereas actually it's not like that. <laughs> and there's a lot of theoretical stuff that backs that up. So a lot of them either say, yeah, fab, I'm happy to do that. I really enjoy learning about that side. Others say, actually, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be, but at least I've had that nine week cycle to say, yeah, not for me. And then they can actually choose something which is better suited to their needs in year 10 and 11 then going forward rather than being stuck on a two-year course, which they necessarily don't enjoy, aren't motivated to do the coursework and end up with not a very good grade. Right. That I mean, that, that's a fantastic introduction. So I've heard about you. I've heard about your school. I've heard about the background to the lesson. Let's hear about the lesson now. So um, give us the title or learning objective, however, however you start your lessons off with at your school. Okay. Um, so the particular lesson focuses on bones and their locations in the body. My classes follow the actual structure from Teach Like a Champion book by Doug Lamov. Um, so we start with a do now activity. Uh, we then present new information, hinge questions to check understanding, apply to demonstrate your knowledge and then your exit tickets. Um, and it's something that we use um, across the whole school. So it's nice and consistent throughout. The walt for the lesson was to explore which bones make up the skeletal system. And the wolfs were identify a characteristic of a bone, identify key bones in the human body and their locations, and explain and identify bones and their locations while using sporting examples. Now, just for the sake of anyone who's very early in their um, PGC or, or just training to be a teacher, what does walt sound for? What does wolf sound for? Um, well, is obviously we are learning too, and Wilf is what I'm looking for. Okay, so this is just a bit of context for those who are very early on in their career. Anyway, sorry, carry on, Sophie. So I've, I'm quite big on meeting the pupils at the door, first of all. Um, it's always something that I've done and kind of been taught all the way through. So pupils are meeting a greeting at the door. Um, I find it easier to settle the students, check their uniform issues before they then come into the classroom, which then prevents your low level disruption sort of occurring from then onwards. It's easier to pick up your coats and things like that, because that's quite a big thing after they've been outside queuing up for so long. And then as they walk through the door, then my focus isn't necessarily on their uniform, those things. It's on their do now activity, which is on the board ready for them and their books are in their places. Um, so they, the expectation is they come in with their correct uniform, sit down and then do the do now activity. I've always tried to give out the books in the table spaces again to minimise the distractions. 
EAL students who require it obviously have their translated PowerPoints in their preferred language and English versions as well to refer back to both and keywords and definitions of that as well are printed for the lesson in advance. So this particular lesson, you might go on to explain this right now, so I apologise if I've just interrupted. No, it's okay. Um, what is their do now activity? Uh, their do now is they need to name all 11 fitness components and categorise them into health and skill related. Um, this normally is done for this lesson. I'm pr- it was a while ago, so I'm just trying to remember fully. It's um, a matchup activity. So they've got um, a pack of an envelope, little cards, it's little card sorts. So you've got to um, match up your health and your skill related and put them in the, into the correct columns. And then there's a stretch activity on the board as well. And this basically says, can you define uh, or identify a sporting example that matches to this fitness component and why? And they then write that in their books. Okay. Right. So and how long would you expect that to take? Dependent on the activity between five to ten minutes, um, obviously going back through the work as well. And if there are misconceptions and mistakes, and that's what I want to rectify rather than just being like, OK, we've done that. Let's move on because I've got a lesson to teach. Um, I think it's really important to actually spend that time and go through those answers and make sure they are what they should be and not what maybe a misconception that I've potentially taught that I'm better off ironing it out now than them getting to year 10 and year 11 saying, well, Miss Jancy said this. So, um, yeah. But that's Okay, so you've talked point. about, um, you've already talked about one resource in which you've used in lesson. Yeah. Would it be okay for you to send through this resource and any other resources that you might use for the lesson? Would it be okay for you to send through to me? And I could put that on the website just so that people could go to it straight away wouldn't have yeah. to use exactly what you use, but it's just some ideas for people, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thank you. Okay, sorry, I'll let you carry on. Um, so I'll, I haven't really given any context around the class. So before I'll carry on, I'll just do that if that's okay. Just um, So the class I've actually got a 24 um, class. It's a mixed ability, nine boys, 15 girls. The class next door, um, they have the, um, the male heavy um, class. There are 12 people premium students and five with SEN and 11 EAL students within the class. Um, So there's quite a mixed range. Hence why I think it's quite important to get those resources ready um, before the lesson, just to put that bit into context, really. Yeah, well, it it is. I mean, again, so much of what we do in teaching, it comes down to context, doesn't it? And again, I I say it in my introduction, I'll say it now, what works for you might not work for someone else but you've given context as to why you do certain things. So yeah, thank you for that. So after the do now, we then moved on to bones. So I gave them characteristics of the bones. Um, so we actually understood what bones are rather than just going straight in and be like, right, this is your humorous or whatever. So I think it's really important to actually give the context first because a lot of our students can get a bit confused as to, right, we're learning this, but you haven't actually told us why we're learning this or how that links back. Um, so I think it's important to just spend those couple of minutes doing that first to then keep the students on track on the waltz and will. So I actually have them on every every slide. So after we've then done the characteristics of the bones, because this links to my wolf, I then put a little green tick next to it on the PowerPoint to show, right, we've now done this bit. So that's that bit completed. Um, and as I go through the PowerPoint, obviously more green ticks appear on the waltz and wolfs. So it it's more of a visual aid really to the students that they can see, right, okay, Miss has just done that bit, so that's done. So that would be for the characteristic section. 
I think what, what you're mentioning there is just, it, it sounds so simple, but for the students, it can make a huge difference, couldn't it? Because yeah. they, they can see their progress throughout the lesson. So I can yeah. say, oh, I know that now. I know that now. I know that. Oh, yeah, this is this is how much progress I've made throughout the lesson. And for anyone observing, it's, again, it just shows progress, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just something that I picked up from one of our um, in-school training days. And I've just kind of added, it's such a simple thing just to add on as well. Um, just add a little animation after you've done that section. And I think it can make a really big impact. So after that bit, I then go on to the presenting new information section of the lesson. Um, so I printed out a specific skeletal diagram, which has all the bones on that they need to know. Um, obviously, you've got to factor in about cognitive overload and things like that. So maybe it's worth, I didn't do this. And this is one of the things that I probably should have done. Chunk them into like five bones at a time and then done it like that. Um, so then go through them. We stand up and then we go through each bone and actually make them feel it on their body. Um, it's just something that I got taught and I think it's stuck. So it's something that I've um, done. So obviously if we feel it, oh, that's your clavicle and then we'll move down the body. Um, after we've done those, we are print the diagram off and without labels. So then the students can then go and put the labels on themselves. I think this is really important for like your EAL students and your lower reading age students as well to be able to actually get those spellings correct so yes they are copying off the board but at times like this I do think it is needed just for that um, spelling and do get picked up on those kind of things so I think it's easier to teach them the correct spellings from the beginning than to sort of edit it as you go along if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah 100% because I think it's easier to kind of uh, to prevent the fires than put the fires out isn't it let's kind of yeah. let's use that metaphor. Mm -hmm, yeah I just, um, I, I just didn't realise I sounded a little bit like David Brent there. I wasn't really <laughs> <laughs> to, but uh, um, yeah, it, it kind of dawned on me afterwards. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, carry on. If only I'm glad that people can't see me because I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so after the diagrams are in place, I said split the students up into groups, mixed ability with the idea that the students will all work together to help the weaker students within the group. One student is the person lying on the floor and each group gets post-it notes. The group at the end of the five minutes with the most correctly labelled and spelt bones wins. So they then put the post-it notes on the body and they have to be spelt correctly to gain the points. I do like this activity. Um, obviously, it's competitive being a PE teacher. I'm all for games and gamification. Um, it's fun. It gets students out of their seats and allows for repetition on writing the bones names out, which can obviously aid their spelling. Especially for your AAL students as well, that um, they're... Uh, without the class knowing, it could be worth giving the students roles during the activity, such as the AL students can be then the scribe. So then they're actually writing all of those um, or potentially students that do struggle with their spelling. They can then write them and another person can then spell them to them um, just so they're then working together. It also allows actually in that activity for the cross curricular links, which I um, quite big on, especially with maths, because I do um, I did train by doing a little bit of math so that I do quite like it to be honest it might sound a bit easier, but I do um so uh, they get points so how many points do they get if it's spelt and labeled correctly how many points do they get if it's just labeled correctly but not spelt correctly and then it can be a competition then between all four or five groups however many you've got also um can you give extra points for the stretch activity and it, it can suit any class really 
as long as obviously they've got that fundamental knowledge of the bones <laughs> um, and then obviously you can make it into more of a gain situation. Okay, so generally, when, when you do this activity, you, you say you're kind of you're teaching them the bones first, they're all set up, and then they go into this game, this kind of little competition. How long would you normally aim to spend on this? Um, so obviously, because I, I, I teach it twice, technically, um, with the two different groups. So the one, the first group, obviously, it was quite a long time, because they were so engaged. And I thought, if they're engaged, and they're actually learning and working as a team, I'm just going to let this flow rather than be like, right, no, okay, right, it's now hinge question time, Put sit back down. But and they were loving it, so I let it carry on, really, um, whether that was possibly the right thing to do, I don't know. And I suppose if they are struggling, you do need that extra time on it because they've clearly not understood the first bit. And if they haven't understood the first bit, it might be a case of, right, we'll come back to this, but let's go back first. Let's get these things correct, and then we can play the game. Um, and you could maybe do that more towards the end of the lesson instead of rather in the main, like presenting new information section. Okay. I mean, you've already answered one of my questions that I sometimes have for guests. And I, I sometimes say to people, if you were to teach this lesson again, yeah. what would you do? Or how do you think you could make it, make it better? But I mean, yes, you're NQT, you're still learning, but there'll be people who teach for 30 years who are still learning who are still refining lessons and and trying new things which is exactly what teaching should be about yeah uh, so you you might kind of feel like you fine-tune this lesson at some point but maybe definitely. when you get to that point you think you might think time to try something new yeah definitely um I like i think twitter is really good as well like you can pick up loads of different things on twitter of things that people have done or lots of different platforms that you can use and research different tasks and stuff Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I'll let you carry on, Sophie. So after the task, I then got the students back in their seats for a few minutes to do their hinge questions, which they completed in silence. I might them do it in silence just purely because it then brings the classroom back down to where it needs to be. Obviously, a competitive game situation, it can get students very happy, very excited. And I need them just to come back down then um, to be able to finish the lesson. Um, so hinge question is... It's like a multiple choice question which shows understanding and misconceptions within the class. The biggest thing that I've learned about the hinge question is that the answer should not be easily identifiable. So they're multiple choice questions normally with about four answers. So the questions as part of the hinge question should include four answers that are or likely could be the answer as well as, but are slightly incorrect, if that makes sense. Just so it's purely not a case of elimination because the process of elimination is not learning so I need to know that they've actually understood the content correctly. Um, I have got an example of one of the ones I did in the class, if you want me to Go on, it. go for it. Um, so the one of them was, a characteristic of a bone is A, are heavy, dense materials, B, lightweight, strong materials, C, stores red blood cells, or D, do the same job as our muscles. So all four of those... Um, Obviously, we'd probably know the difference because obviously we're adults, we've got a bit more knowledge. But for those, they may actually have to think, OK, right. So which one has she taught us? What is exactly what she's taught us? Um, so then they'd complete those. I make them do a little heading in their book, hinge questions, um, write the correct answers out, what they think. And then we go back in purple pen so it's easily identifiable where the mistakes are. Um, and then just going through them. So I'd be like, hey. So it can't be heavy, dense materials because they're not heavy because, you know, bones aren't. Um, B is actually the correct answer. 
see. So it doesn't store red blood cells, it actually produces them. So there's a difference in keywords. And D, no, they don't um, do the same as our muscles. They work together, but they don't do the same job. Um, so it's about going through those and explaining particularly why some of them aren't the answer as well, just to make sure that they have got that. Yeah, I think people often look at multiple choice questions and think, oh, yeah, so much easier than ones where you have to just write the answer. It's, it's not necessarily the case, is it? Because you, you do have these other options like you've provided for the students, trip people up. And it is, yeah. it's not easy when you, you've got the answer in your head, but then you kind of you start to second guess yourself and think, oh, is it that or, or could it be that answer? Um, yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to kind of rewind site because we, we talked about hinge questions. And, and I'm going to be honest, I've never come across the term hinge questions before. So what, what are hinge, hinge questions all about? Um, so they are sort of checking the progress. So I do these after my presenting new information section, but before my apply to demonstrate. So I, I, in the ideal world, they either tell you whether the students are ready to move on or whether you need to go back and recap. So if they've got, you know, um, no questions out for correct on the hinge questions, then that knowledge isn't there. So why are you going to get them to apply the knowledge when they haven't got the knowledge? Um, it's it's a technique out of that book um, that I mentioned at the beginning. And like I've, I hadn't really done much work around this book, but my school where I'm at are big advocates of it and I'm moving towards that way. So and I think they're a brilliant way of just checking knowledge. So if they get four out of four, you're like, okay, brilliant. Let's move on. We're ready to apply that knowledge now. Okay, brilliant. Oh, sorry, thanks for clearing that up. Um, I'll let you carry on with the lesson now. So the part of the lesson, um, I then move on to apply to demonstrate. So rather than just give them a, um, a performer in a very neutral position, um, I've then gone um, with a gymnastic sporting example of a gymnast in the splits, and they then have to name the bones um, in a different position because I think it's quite easy to name the bones necessarily when we're all stood up correctly, but in, an art, in you know, a sporting world, athletes don't stand still for that long and they definitely don't always stand in that position. So it's good to be able to put this into um, a sport specific example. Again, there's always a stretch activity. So I'll have the activity and a stretch um, to ensure that differentiation all the way throughout. So again, so the stretch activity for this one was thinking of a sporting movement and it has to be specific. So use this to identify two bones used for this action. The issue that I have with particularly my class, and I think it's something um, within the PE as a whole is there's not that knowledge of a wide variety of sports so for them to give a sport specific example it's it's really difficult so they'll just say football or rugby and I'm like right so what in football is it a penalty kick in football are they using muscular endurance the last 90 minutes of a football game it's having that little bit of extra detail um so it's so well, it's not just me sophie that uh, that experiences that i, I yeah. kind of thought oh, oh is it just the kids i teach i mean i remember setting a question about hockey and yeah. uh, when a student started writing about the puck i was like whoa hang on a second yeah uh, we're not in canada here we should be uh talk, should be talking about field hockey yeah i, I think uh, like w that's just something that we forget about we just presume that knowledge is already there um, and that's a big thing. Anyone that's going in a PGCE situation at the moment, that's one thing I learned last year is don't always presume that knowledge is there because it's probably not. And then yeah. you'll go on talking about Olympic rowing and the kids are like, what's rowing? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll show you a video of that now. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's, it, it's just something that you pick up, I think, as you go. 
um, especially in different types of schools. So yeah, then after that, after the applied to demonstrate, I'd then get them to do um, exam questions. I'm a big advocate of actually printing exam questions out for my students because I think it takes takes so long for them to write the question down. And then by the time they've written the question down, then they've got to answer it and then their hand hurts, you know, all of these problems. Um, but I just print them out for them. Um, they then glue it in and they can answer away. I think it's, they find it easier if I print them. So, and it just maximizes that learning time, I think, rather than wasting time writing the questions down. And I think it's, it will help with revision purposes as well, won't it? Yeah, and marking. So like when you're going back to mark, a lot of the, like this will happen at the beginning. I, I was trying to mark something. I was like, I can't remember what the question is they're trying to answer here. So if I have it printed, it just makes my life a whole lot easier. Again, and I, think, have, I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a knowledge bomb for anyone kind of starting out in the profession. Yeah, it, it costs more printing credits, but it actually allows you more time and a life. So I 100% <laughs> recommend. <laughs> um, and it just means that my kids like to highlight the keywords. So it just, just makes it easier for them. And by printing them, I can actually then give them differentiated questions without them necessarily knowing. So yes, they might have a different question to the person next to them, but are they really going to question me then and be like oh I've got a different one miss but normally I just put them a question on their table they stick it in and then they go um so that's just something that I like to do rather than making a big deal about it being like right you guys are going to do the green ones on the board you guys are going to do the red ones on the board because I just think it, it just singles people out unnecessarily um and I just, that just works for me personally yeah I, get, I think um it's it's one of the things it's always an awkward one when you think Oh, you're going to be doing that one. The, the kids know. The, the kid, yeah. the, like kids are smart. They, they realise who's doing the easy questions, who's doing the harder questions. So if you can just hand them out straight away, you, you get over any sort of awkwardness, don't you? Yeah, I think that it, it like it just helps me as well. So as well as them, it just helps me being able to mark, like I said. Um, and then if I have pitched the question too low, so some may say, well, are you actually like diminishing their ability by giving them the lower questions and then I, that's when I've picked it up they like always print spares because if they're like miss this is too easy miss I've done it okay right here's your next lot and just having that extra planning just really helps the flow um and then you're not there being like right okay read the person next to you's <laughs> so you're just coming up with stuff off the top of your head um it's just something that I've picked up really um okay. and I didn't get them to peer assess because I was going to mark the books anyway Okay, and and this leaves you with how long left of your lesson? In fact, I didn't even ask you how long how long that section would take. So I have a double, but I t I sort of teach it as two singles, um, just because of the different topics. So the way it works is we do an A and P topic and then a fitness component topic second hour, um, because I think they found in the past before I was there if they did two hours on A and P, like their heads frazzled so a change of topic actually helps them the second period so this would be an hour um okay. so just 60 minutes one period um and then that leaves me about 10 minutes at the end to do my exit ticket um and plenary so my plenary um would be i'll have my waltz and wilts on the board as they have been with the green ticks on so hopefully they can see where they've come from and a really good tip that i picked up on is actually purchasing some traffic light stickers from twitter um, I'm sure they were like 50p a sheet or something and they're just red amber green and you just give them a sticker they just tick where they are and then just use your 
Waltz and Wilfs to kind of write a little bit of a self-reflection at the end. Um, that kind of just gives me an idea of where they are and it helps with like pupil tracking and things like that. And then their exit ticket as they leave the classroom, this is another technique from the book. Um, so for today's lesson to make it appropriate, it was you need to tell me a bone and you need to point to it on your body to leave the classroom. And then when they're doing that, then they're sort of recapping it without necessarily knowing they're recapping it. And then they can then leave. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I, I love the sound of that lesson. Again, it's what, I, what I've often said to people who have come on as guests is it, it sounds very simple, but you've made it sound simple because you put the preparation in to begin with. So um, you you have their kind of do now activity to start off with. You, you've you've printed out the you've printed out the questions that they can attempt, and you've you've already decided who you're going to give what to. So, so with your planning in advance of this, yes, the, the actual lesson itself and delivering the lesson is actually relatively simple. And I think, again, a lot of people could learn from that. So based on everything you've just taught me, I mean, we've just talked about for that for about 30 minutes. I'm going to ask you to condense that 30 minutes into 30 seconds. So you're going to be doing a 30 second challenge now, Sophie. So I'm just going to ask you to summarise the structure and the content in surprise, surprise, 30 seconds. Okay, are you ready to go? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, in <laughs> three, two, one, off you go. Okay, so the walk for my lesson was to explore which bones make up the skeletal system. Students will be able to, at the end of the lesson, identify characteristics of bones, identify bone locations and link this back to sporting examples. The structure of a lesson will follow a do now activity, which is a recap of knowledge from last lesson, presenting new information, hinge questions, apply to demonstrate, exit tickets and lots of stretch activities to case of my differentiation and assessment will be throughout. Bang on, 30 seconds. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. Well done, Sophie. It goes quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I thought that was spot on. It was um, easy enough to follow. I mean, you, you talked about it right at the start of the lesson about your structure, just kind of re relaying that and um, kind of summarising everything. So that, that was really good. I really liked hearing about that. And although I don't, I personally don't teach BTEC myself, it's not necessarily about the content. It's about kind of your ideas for certain things. So like I said, like, like we were talking about, if you're printing out the exam questions, it's going to be saving you time, isn't it? And yeah. Students love to kind of get up, get moving. So instead of just looking at the board and writing down the names of bones, start prodding around on each other and start pointing out where the bones are themselves. So um, some really good ideas to, to take, take away there, Sophie. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Um, really appreciate you coming on the Teacher Planning Podcast today, Sophie. And I'm sure, again, that, like always, there'll be so many people who could benefit from this conversation. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank You're you. Welcome. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's Teacher Planning Podcast. I really hope that this will help you in your practice and to ultimately help your students. If there are any subjects and topics that you would like to hear ideas on, please get in touch at teacherplan@outlook.com or reach out on Twitter or Instagram where you can find me at Teacher Planning Podcast. I would also love to hear feedback to give you the best listening experience possible. Keep educating, keep learning. <laughs>